when you have an earnings growth peak, which we just got last quarter, uh, you tend to have several more years of bull market gains and economic expansion. So um, there's a number of indicators we look at to try to mark the timing of the cycle. You know, Fed rate hikes are another one. And they're all telling us really the same thing, that this cycle's probably got a couple more years and maybe more. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hello, everyone. This is John Lynch, Chief Investment Strategist for LPL Financial, and welcome to this edition of LPL Financial's Market Signals podcast. Uh, I'm on today with my good friend who's hunkered down in a snowstorm, Jeff Bookbinder up in Boston, equity strategist for LPL Financial. Hello, Jeff. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well because I have not had to go outside yet. We got, I'd estimate, 14, 15 inches here of snow overnight. Got up this morning, looked outside, and decided that it was a good work-from-home day. What was forecast for your area? Uh, we were only supposed to get up to 12. I think it was 8 to 12 okay, so. inches of the last forecast. I, we went over that uh, by a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll stay safe and stay warm. I'm sure the girls are all excited. Are they outside playing yet? Well, not yet, but... Uh, that's probably uh, up next. I'm, well, I'm actually uh, uh, recording this from my basement, so this will probably be uh, one of my higher energy calls because it's pretty chilly down here. Oh, is that right? Okay, well, we'll try to <laughs> go stand near the heater if you can. Um, I always there remember those days the uh, when my kids were little. It was always fun, you know, particularly in, in the South. You know, if we get a snowstorm, you know, we're, we're shut down for a week. So there, there were a few days when we got six or seven inches, and that really, that really had a big, big impact. And I remember there was one year we got more than a foot. You know, we were shut down for the entire week, maybe 10, 10 days for that. But that was always fun when you had that little, little extra time, which at least when we had those experiences, it was definitely unexpected. So uh, definitely a fun time. So make the most of it, and we know you're working hard uh, from your basement, and we appreciate that. You, you, got a, you got a weight set down there? You do any curls or anything that I should know about? Well, I might get in some uh, bench presses here uh, in between your comments. So you might have to uh, carry the load on. How much call. can you bench? <laughs> Our listeners are dying <laughs> to know. Is it 250 or 300? Well, I, I could. Uh, I, I can do pretty close to my weight, and okay. I'll just I'll leave it at that. And that's good. 135. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> well, good deal. Well, we certainly digress. You know, reminiscing about the snowstorms also gives us an opportunity to reminisce about the 10th anniversary of the market bottom. March 8th, March 9th, uh, 2009, uh, very, very challenging period for investors. I'm sure everyone remembers that very, very well. So today we'd like to talk about that market bottom, also talk about some of the economic data that we're currently experiencing relative to what we're experiencing back then and why we think that this economic cycle still has some time to go, as well as we'll talk a little bit about the bull market, and we believe also that that has a little more room to grow. So, Jeff, let's turn back the clock 10 years. I know I had uh, less of a forehead back then, and it was, uh, you know, brown hair uh, to some degree. Maybe not. Maybe 20 years was my brown hair. But nonetheless, tell me about what, what you were experiencing 10 years ago. Yeah, well, I was here, John, so um, my my memories are certainly... In the uh, basement? L- LPL-related. Oh, okay. Uh, my memory is, and it certainly was a, a difficult time for all of us, doing this morning call with our CEO at that time, Mark Cassidy, sitting right next to me. Certainly no pressure. That, that right there 
told you how important those calls were because uh, really since that time, I don't think that's happened not even once. Every word that we shared with all of you, and hopefully for those of you who are around, we helped to get through it. Every word really mattered. Um, it was very difficult because of the uncertainty, right? It was, so, you know, the whole the TARP vote. Every piece of the solution was filled with so much uncertainty and complexity mm-hmm. uh, that it just it was just a very, very difficult time. But we, you know, we all got through it together. And um, uh, I think really just a belief in capitalism at that time was enough to uh, to tell us all that stocks would eventually go quite a bit higher. Absolutely. But capitalism with Keynesian support, right? And I think that was kind of interesting because, you know, a lot of what the Fed was trying to do was really tap into a little monetarist theory, right, from Milton Friedman, uh, award-winning Nobel Prize economist who built his career on the idea that inflation was always and everywhere always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. So what do we see? We saw the Ben Bernanke, chair of the Fed at the time, and the Federal Reserve essentially print money, right, create create liquidity in the system by buying treasury bonds. The whole idea was to, you know, print enough money that at some point the demand for for it would be sufficient that you'd have pricing pressures and very, very innovative strategies that were mind-boggling at the time. You were sitting with your CEO. I certainly was not at LPL at that point. I was uh, finishing up my days at Wachovia and starting my days at Wells Fargo as chief equity strategist for Wells Fargo Asset Management at the time. I can remember being on a CNBC right around that point and during a break the producer came on and said uh, you know we need you to hold off for a minute and I said okay what's up and they said Treasury Secretary Paulson's going to be on so I said okay I'm not going to be a diva we'll let Treasury Secretary Paulson go in front of me and they said good because when he's done we want you to critique what he had to say and did you ever get that feeling when your heart was in your throat <laughs> never want to be in a position where you have to critique the Treasury Secretary but I, uh, I, I was in that uncomfortable situation and had the pleasure to meet him and do a few meetings with him uh, maybe five years after that. He clearly didn't remember, but I, uh, I did regale him with that story. We had a nice chat or two about that experience, so live to tell about that. So, Jeff, what do you see about the economy that was different in 2008, 2009 than from what we're experiencing in 2018 and 2019? Oh, quite a different picture, huh? Uh, the, um, you know, the economy contracted 5 6%. Uh, back then. Now people complain about two and a half to three, but um, boy, that sure feels better than a deep recession. So uh, even though this recovery has been more gradual, the momentum has started to pick up certainly over the last year. Now we'll dip in in uh, Q1. You get that pretty much every year. We think the uh, conditions are in place here to uh, extend this cycle. I I think July, this becomes the longest economic expansion ever recorded. That's right. Uh, we and, had to make the uh, distinction between the bull market, right? We think, we think we'll get there. Yep. And, you know, we've written a lot, particularly you, John, about the keys to extending this cycle. You know, certainly one is the fact that it has been sort of a gradual expansion, right? Mm-hmm. The gradual nature of this expansion, I think this is something important for our listeners to appreciate, because if you want to make the delineation between the two experiences today versus a decade ago, there was so much leverage in the system back then, whereas uh, due to regulation, you know, more sober CFOs, if you will, uh, in publicly traded companies, we're, we're not seeing that sort of leverage. So when you had that leveraged excess, that enabled the economy to grow 4 and 5% on a consistent basis, if you will, in the 
call it 06, 07 type period. But when you had that leveraged excess suddenly turn into a leveraged risk and people were starting to figure out what notional value on all those you know, derivatives actually meant, uh, that really pulled us back by a similar experience, right, in uh, for those six quarters throughout 08 and through the first half of 09. So a very, very challenging period. We certainly don't see the leverage in the system that corporations had back then. And also, you know, well, you and I and many investors, most of our listeners out there are concerned about the debt situation, the ability to service debt. And if you look at treasury financing, think about half treasury debt matures within three years and the average cost of capital is what maybe two percent and the average maturity is a little less than five years and then if you even take that off to the consumer and think about how debt to income ratios are not as threatening today as they were 10 years ago I, I think that's some perspective for investors to keep in mind but you talked about something else Jeff I want to emphasize and just how this cycle is not as uh, spectacular as previous economic cycles. We did a study on the last, let's see, seven or eight cycles going back to 1961, and we found that uh, average GDP per economic cycle recovery is north of 4%, and uh, we've seen average annual returns uh, over these 10 years of only 2 2.3%. So it hasn't been as spectacular, and that would suggest without the leverage in the system and without an additional 200 basis points in growth. You know, we're going to have recession someday. We just don't think the the, the situation is going to happen in in 2019, given uh, given the many fundamentals that we find as favorable. And Jeff, would you like to cover a few of those fundamentals that we like? Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, in in, in general, um, if you don't inflate much, then you can't deflate as much, right? Absolutely. So we just haven't created the excesses. Uh, I mean, we, we, I like to talk in terms of bubbles because it's just an analogy everybody can, can easily understand. But uh, this, this current bubble, if you will, it hasn't inflated all that much, right? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the leverage, John. The you know, company balance sheets are certainly in much better shape. And if you look at the cost to service debt for, for U.S. corporations, uh, factor that in. It, it's very manageable right now and probably will remain manageable for quite some time. We can look at, you know, the leading economic indicators that are still up about three and a half percent year over year, suggesting continued growth ahead. The yield curve is starting to steepen a little bit. It is flat, but it is not inverted. And that is certainly uh, a good sign, uh, a good leading indicator of future economic growth. Um, So, uh, I mean, actually, you can look at profit growth, too, real quick. We just finished up earnings season. It got a little better. It was decent. It got a little better over the last week. Uh, when you have an earnings growth peak, which we just got last quarter, uh, you tend to have several more years of bull market gains and economic expansion. Right. So um, there's a number of indicators we look at to try to mark the timing of the cycle. You know, Fed rate hikes are another one. Uh, and they're all telling us really the same thing, that this cycle's probably got a couple more years and maybe more. You mentioned corporate debt, and you talked about strong balance sheets. Income statements are in pretty good shape as well with all the refinancing that has gone on. But I do think it's important, you know, and while I, we agree that we think this cycle has a little farther to go, I do want to point out that, you know, there may be some individual corporations that struggle. And I think it's going to be important for investors not to get swayed that those will be the exception rather than the rule. For the better part of a decade, 
with what the Fed did by keeping interest rates at zero, you know, strong companies and weak companies all had access to a ridiculously low cost of capital, record low cost of capital. So now it's kind of like, you know, soccer at the Y on Saturday mornings, right? Everybody gets a trophy. And uh, we don't think that's the case going forward. Uh, the market's going to divine winners and losers. Consequently, you're going to see some companies that are going to, investors are going to necessitate, or the market will necessitate, a higher cost of capital for those weaker players. So, you know, that'll be interesting, dynamic, as we kind of weed through that. But, yeah, we definitely agree that uh, the fundamentals, if you want to think of leading economic indicators, better than expected GDP recently, better than expected employment, but really... Uh, perhaps the best lead indicator is corporate profits. To the degree we have good corporate profits, record levels last year growing at or around, you know, our projection is a little ahead of the street. Call it historically average growth this year. But that's why it's really key to get clarity on trade. As you and I have discussed in the past on these podcasts, as Ryan and I have discussed as well, because as we get progress on trade, businesses start to reinvest in property, plant, and equipment. When they do that, you see better productivity prints. And when you get better productivity numbers, workers are more efficient. Output per hour worked is less expensive for corporations because they're being more efficient. And that has an income statement impact, that has a margin impact, and that can have a self-sustaining profit impact as well. So really key there. And why don't we use that as a pivot to move over to the equity market again? Uh, We have an aging economic cycle, but we also have an aging bull market. Again, this would be the S&P 500. Many of the indices slipped into bear last December, but technically, by definition, classic definition, this S&P 500 bull market continues. Uh, What do you see there, Jeff? Yeah, well, like the economic expansion, John, we think the bull uh, goes on and probably celebrates its 11th birthday a year from now. Mm -hmm. Um, The Frankly, the fact that we had these near misses, we, we, by the way, we've never had that. We've never had two you know, 19% declines in one bull market mm-hmm. with no close-to-close close 20% decline. Right. Uh, the fact that we've had those is sort of refreshed and re-energized. And so I, on all else equal, I think that actually increases the chances uh, that we can go higher over the next year or two. And really all of the same indicators that we I just mentioned, um, among others we've written about, that suggest the expansion can go on. The bull market, we think, uh, can go on, too. Uh, one concern people have that we wrote about last week is um, valuations. And when you look at valuations, you know, we're at about a 16 PE on forward estimates. When you look at valuations relative to interest rates and, and inflation, which are both still low and very well contained, uh, valuations actually look cheap. So um, we don't think valuations are a reason to sell stocks here. And frankly, they probably support uh, a decent amount of upside uh, over the next 12 months. So, uh, you know, earnings is slowing, as I mentioned. Frankly, on the trade front, you get clarity there and you get a little bit of a pickup in capital spending. Remember the capital investment expensing rules that were changed under the tax reform uh, law um, December 2017 are still in place, and we really haven't gotten much of a boost out of that. It was There was a quick, quick short-lived boost and then uh, kind of faded away. We think there's probably a, a, another round there. These are very long-term decisions that require corporate executives to have visibility into the future. Well, with the trade uncertainty, we haven't had that lately. That could come back and could certainly fuel a little more upside uh, in, in earnings. So we think we'll get enough earnings growth to 
to push stocks higher. Thinking about that cycle versus this cycle, you know, th- this cycle is now the longest bull market since World War II. But if you look at the 1990s, I mean, we did, what, 300% plus this current cycle, but the 1990s was 400% plus. So by that would suggest, you know, there's a little more room to go. But we also have to keep in mind, you know, you mentioned valuations. We like to look at technicals, valuation, and fundamentals. We already talked about the fundamentals on the economy and corporate profits. The valuation, as you suggested, PEs relative to interest rates and inflation are still uh, historically attractive in our opinion. And then finally, just looking at the technicals, you know, regardless of what you look at, advanced decline line, whether you look at percentage of stocks at their 20-day high, percentage of stocks above their 50-day moving average, third year of the presidential election cycle, all three of those factors would suggest another 10 or 12 percent upside looking at technical and forward returns historically. So to wrap things up, Jeff, I just want to thank you for getting through not only that morning research call with the CEO 10 years ago. I'm sure that was uh, challenging for you. I hope you certainly get through your your snowstorm up there, and uh, hopefully the wife and children won't ban you to the basement for the rest of the day. Hopefully they'll free you. Certainly, you know, Jeff and I and the rest of the LPO Research Department work on behalf of our advisors and their investors to make sure that we're providing you with the economic analysis, investment strategy, and portfolio management and portfolio implementation to help you achieve, you know, your long-term investment goals. So, Jeff, thank you so much for participating today. Greatly appreciate it. And everyone, I want to wish you a great week. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, everyone. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.